0: So I remember being a kid and kind of like, you know how kids often wonder, they wonder about things. Maybe you have flashbacks to you sitting in the back seat of your car, just staring out the window. I mean, those of us who aren't married to our iPhones and iPads at this point, um, but you're staring out the window and you're thinking about what it's like to be older. I remember um, just driving and I remember our high school, the high school I went to is Hoppock High School and it was, it's right around here. It looks a lot like a prison. You ever see that high school? It's kind of, like, really dark. I remember being a child and seeing Hop Hog High School and thinking, one day when I'm old, I'm going to go there. And, like, being, like, a little, like, intimidated by it, you know. And just thinking about one day when I get older, you know. Also thinking about one day I'm going to drive a car. Like, like I, our, my parents would be, like, on a road trip and we'd be in, like, North Carolina somewhere. And I remember being, like, how do they know where they're going? This is amazing. And this is before, like, you had Google Maps to send you to, like, a dead end somewhere because it's so bad, you know? And so they rem- like memorized maps. i like, I don't know if I can memorize maps, you know? Like, what's a secret, you know? So I remember being a child and just thinking about what it would be like when I was an adult. But there's a few things here tonight that I don't think I was necessarily prepared for, um, from being a child to being an adult. And it's a few funny things here. Uh, one of them was group chat texting. And you all know, we all have that friend who has the Android phone that sends a, a, a text to us iPhone people, and then for the next four years, people are arguing and texting, and, and you just have 4,000 notifications. So I wasn't necessarily ready for that growing up. No one told me how to handle that. Uh, that was fun. Um, another thing would be just, you know, back in the day, you would pick up the phone, and you would call a company, and you'd get a person. But nowadays you don't. It's like a robot that says, hello, please press one for this. And you're like, okay. And it's like, you know, you have to go through the process and eventually if you've, you know, been me, you get a little frustrated because, you know, you're like "Uh, insurance claims. It's like, you want a new car? It's like, no. And so, so many times, like you could walk in on a family member who's having this horrible interaction and it'll be like, service representative. And you're like, oh, wow. Because machines, you, you can't hurt machines. They're not people. See, people, I could be like, I've been on the phone for 15 minutes. What's wrong with you? Like, Oh, sorry, sir. We're going to do it. But a robot is cold and mean and heartless. This lady named Julia, a robot voice, has been calling me from different numbers, trying to get me to get a loan for my business. So I finally hit one, talked to the operator, said, I don't want to talk to Julia anymore. No one told me growing up that I have to argue with a person about a robot. So, and another thing that... Growing up, that I wasn't ready for is that when I became a little bit older, that I would feel guilty about eating Pop-Tarts simply because they go to my hips now. <laughs> and so, these are things that I wasn't really prepared for, but I remember being in middle school and thinking, because middle school is the awkward, most awkward time of your life, let's be honest, and if you're in it right now, we love you, we're here for you. Um, but since we graduated, all of us, because most of us in here, we look like we're above middle school age, and if you're not, don't worry about it, you'll get through it, um, we realized it was an awkward time, but I remember being in middle school and be like, something's weird with me, with my friends, things are strange. And I remember thinking, one day, I'm going to get out of this time. And one day, you know, when I'm an adult, when I'm older, like, this stuff won't happen. We won't argue. We won't fight. Like, the, the issues with our friends will be we resolved because we're going to be adults, and adults know better. No. And so, uh, you know, I'm a mama's boy, so I talk to my mom a lot, and The older I get, the more adult I become. You know, we talk about things, and I realize, you know what? Being an adult and and hearing her problems, her hearing mine, it's it's a great thing all. But, like, I realize that adults really don't have it all together. And see, in our culture, we kind of have this pressure, like, we need to have all the answers. Like, we need to know what to do when things happen. And so for a few moments here tonight, a few minutes here tonight, I want to just talk about how we can approach our faith, from an adult perspective. And the, the, the verses that I wanna kinda start this series, because we're starting a two part series here on Sunday nights called I'm an Adult. And I wanna talk about ways that we pursue our faith as adults. So the verse that I have set aside for this series is kinda gonna define the series, is 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, and That's gonna be up on the screens. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child, but when I became a man, or a woman here tonight, um, I did away with childish things. and So tonight what I want to look at is I want to look at some of our childish thinking. And maybe you're saying, okay, I'm a little confused because in Scripture, Christ has been quoted to say to be childlike. And so, Andrew, if you're you're trying to tell me to not be like a child, but when Christ says, what does that mean? And so tonight I just want to make the clear distinction before we get started to say that there's a difference between being childlike and Childish. See, when Christ says, you know, receive the kingdom of heaven like a child, what does a child do? But a child trusts 100% on its heavenly father, on, on its father, I mean. Trusts for every need, for food, for water, for provision, for money. You have to go up to a kid and you ask a kid for money, they'll look at you like, I don't have any. You know, they can't do anything. So, you know, that's where Christ tells us to, to love God like a child would love their parents. And so nowhere in scripture does it tell us to be child ish. And so that is kind of the difference that we're going to distinguish here tonight. I remember when I was younger, I was about five and uh, I was hanging out. It was, I guess it was a summer day and I was, or a Saturday or something. And I was in my front and um, we had a blazer back then. And I was in the blazer and there, don't worry, the keys weren't anywhere to be found. So, you know, kids are a little bit more resilient back then than they were today. So, I was in the truck, just sitting there at the the steering wheel holding it, and I remember, because adults do this, they they kind of adjust the rear view mirror when they're driving, you know, just to kind of get a glimpse, so I'm thinking, if I'm going to pretend to drive a car, let's do it, and so I kind of reach up, and I grab the mirror and rip it clean off, and see, that's when I realized I was, I was like, I had superpowers, I'm just kidding, so I rip it clean off, and I'm like, ooh, like, and I'm really upset, because I got to fix this problem that I just created, so like any other child, I put it behind my back and I walk up the door, I ring the doorbell, my dad answers. And I go, hey, do you have any glue? And I was shocked when he asked me why, because I figured he was just going to say, yeah, here's some glue, son, and we'll be fine. But um, he, he, he goes, no, why? Well, what, what, you know, what do you do? And clearly if you're seeing your five-year-old son holding something behind his back, asking you for glue, like, well, come on. you know. So I remember, he, he goes, what happened? I start crying, because I was so upset, like, I wanted to fix it myself. But see, here's the thing. Children long to be independent, and as adults, we can come become too independent. See, as a child, I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to fix it, but the thing is, without my father's help, I was going to put Elmer's glue in that window, and that's going to fall down, and it would make more of a mess. I probably would have another bump on my head if I tried it. Um, but see, as children, we, we want to be independent. You know, let me do it, you hear a child say, right? But as we become adults, the thing is we can carry that mindset into our faith, where we can say, no, no, let me do it. This is mine. This is something that I am responsible for. And here's the thing. Yeah, we are. But to what end do we put too much on us and not on God in which where it belongs? And so the problem is that so often our faith can be rooted in ourselves. Maybe you're kind of sitting here and you're like, well, what does does that mean? Because sometimes when something happens, when a trial hits us, life becomes hard, that's where we begin to see where our faith is. That the truth here is that how we react and respond to life shows us where our faith is. And so when that person at your job says, hey, you're not getting the raise, or you don't get into the school that you want to get into, or that person who you're close with decides to hurt you or exclude you, or whatever it may be here for you tonight, when that happens, the way that we act and respond shows us where our faith is. And see, in those moments, we can kind of freak out. When, when things happen, when pressure is applied, we just freak out sometimes. See, we try to build this almost illusion of safety, I, I believe. Especially in American Christianity, we have a lot of pressure on us to look the part, to act the part, to have all the answers. And so we create this illusion. We try to build up money in our bank accounts. When we get enough here, we try to, you know, invest in the friendships that will invest in us. And we, we try to build these little pockets. But what happens when those pockets collapse? Life is challenged. And see, what's at stake tonight is having a childish approach to our faith will sink our faith. And many of us, whether we've done it on purpose, this is a natural human thing for us to kind of focus in on ourselves. And that is not where faith comes from. but it comes from God. And so tonight, I just want to kind of remind us, because faith matters. Maybe tonight you're not going to be like walking out of here with something new, but I believe tonight that as we kind of just focus on these two aspects, of faith and then this week we're going to talk about like where the original I'm sorry the origin of faith comes from where our heart position is between us and God and next week we're going to go into it what it looks like altogether um, but it's important because it matters and so we're going to be in first Peter chapter one and just a little background and this is a really intense time. Peter is talking to a, a group of people who were Christians were being ter- terribly persecuted. Around 64 AD, uh, Emperor Nero was in charge of Rome. And what he wanted to do, he had this lust to build. And he just wanted to build. And, and the rumor has it that he set fire to the city because obviously Rome was established. So how can you build on something that's established unless you burn it down? And the problem with this is that the people who lived there, he burned some of their temples down, the temples to other gods. And so these people are watching these temples be burnt down. They're watching their false gods who couldn't protect themselves, and so they're having crises of faith. You're seeing people just really shaken up. And so what happens is that people start to get violent. People start to resist. And so Nero realizes, I need to push this blame onto somebody else. And what he does is he pushes that blame on the Christians. And so that's why in history we see a lot of Christians start to be martyred around this time. We start to see, you know, persecution jump up. And so Peter is talking to a church that's struggling with this. And so if we're going to learn about faith in, the, in regards to our trials and in regards to life, man, what great verses to look at here tonight. And so if you join me in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, and so tonight we get realize that god 's plan for us is Jesus, simple as that, Peter begins to remind the church that he's talking to of this amazing fact that he knew that we we're going to fail, he knew that we needed redemption, and so he came and he lived and died so that we'd be born again so that we would have hope. So that we would have an inheritance that we can receive here on earth, but also when we die, we can have a place to rest our head. That as we walk into eternity, we would have a place with God. And maybe you're reading that and you see the word born again. And you're thinking, what does that mean? Some, maybe if you've been to church a lot, you know exactly what that means. If you are kind of new to church and you're kind of checking out what does born again mean. Simply, it's, it's, before we can realize what that means, we have to realize where we started. So when we were first born, like literally born, we enter a fallen world. We enter a fallen world. And so a lot of times we're going to start to see ourselves be selfish. That our natural desire, my natural desire, your natural desire is out for ourselves. We saw this a little bit at Kids Week. Um, A few weeks ago, we um, had an opportunity to have uh, Kids Week here where we had, you know, 40 little kids running around and we just put on this awesome thing. Joey did a great job um, setting that up. And so we did that. And so I have the opportunity to be in the skit. And I love being in skits, I guess. I just realized this now. And so um, so I'm in the skit and I'm having a good time. And so I guess my part finishes, and I walk off stage, and Anthony Karai, who led worship along with Aaron, did such a great job tonight, by the way. Just, you know, quickly. Super grateful for the team behind me. They're awesome. Um, But anyway, so Anthony Karai was playing a part, and, you know, we had this little prop. It was like a little uh, treasure chest. And we were supposed to open it up and take something out and whatever. But the problem is that we use that for putting candy in for the, for the kids' ministry. And so, so Anthony had it, and we no candy was supposed to be given out. But, you know, so I'm in the back. You know, we walk off stage. I'm in the back with Katie Rivera. And we're just kind of sitting there, and, like, we're just listening for the skit to end. And I guess Anthony just was like, I just really want to, like, make this fun. And he, he grabs in the box and just throws the candy to the children. And we're in the back, and we hear it flying through the air and hitting the ground, like, patter, 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 patter. And then there was like a silence. And then, like a dull roar, we begin to hear the children be like, that's mine. Like kids grabbing and like, that's mine. And they're still trying to do the skit. And it was like, went from like peace to mayhem in like four seconds. Like, "Ah, that's mine. I didn't get it. And they're fighting. And it's like, oh my gosh. Because here's the thing. Children don't need to learn how to be selfish. They just are. (laughs) They need to learn how to share. And see, we laugh because we kind of realize that that's that's what, what our condition is, is that we, in of ourselves, are selfish. That we are born into a system of this world where we make it about ourselves. We make it about our comfort, our joy, our happiness, our pleasure. And that leads to all types of sin. That's why we see people ripping each other off. That's why we see people cheating on one another. That's why we see greed. That's why we see so many people, just they can't stay in one relationship, but they jump from one to the other to the other. They go to parties and they, they have sex with this person and that person because it's a pursuit of pleasure and it's a deathly cycle. Now tonight, we're not trying to make anybody look bad, but it's a cycle and it's hurtful. And that's what you and I were born into. And so Christ comes so he dies. And then what does the scripture say? But we were born again into a new system so that we can be able to have hope. We can be able to have grace where we can live differently and be empowered by God's spirit. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, you know, so those Christians in the room, you're saying, you know what, this is really nice. You know, this is a good review. I've heard this my whole life, you know. It's kind of, this is good, you know, of course. It's a little review. Maybe you're a little tempted to tune out, but, but who is Peter writing to? Is he writing to people who don't know God or is he writing to people who do? And see, the thing is that isn't it true that in times of discouragement, in times of trial, in the times of maybe just day-to-day life where it's stressful, that you and I can forget who we are? And see, what's true is that we destroy our faith when we make ourselves the object of it And so when we revert back to childish ways and we make it about ourselves, well, that's where we begin to experience error. And so Peter's reminding his listeners, he's saying, look, you're different. Your hope is living. Your hope is Christ. And so we receive something that's imperishable and undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. In verse 5, we pick it back up. It says, reserved for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so Peter reminds us who we are. He's saying, you who are protected by the power of God. Let me ask you this question. How many times do we live, or I'm sorry, throughout our day, how often do we live like that's true? That, hey, like, I am protected by the power of God. And so when that relationship begins to experience trouble, when you have to buy a new car, the bank account's not as full as it once was, when you you feel like you're gonna get laid off at your job or or just work is is difficult, do we live like, but I'm protected by God. I'm protected by his power or am I gonna try to do it on my own strength? See, God protects us through our faith and throughout scripture we see that faith is a gift that is given to us by God. Maybe you're sitting here saying, Andrew, I really don't have much faith tonight. Well, the good news is that faith doesn't come in from from yourself, but as we ask God for it, he is faithful to give it. And so, so many of us who know God, who've been in the church system for a while, we can get so lost in that. We think it's up to us. I just gotta read my Bible more. I just gotta pray more. I just gotta go to more church events, hop around from church to church, be everywhere. But really, it just comes from God fueling our faith. So also in scripture, we see that faith is compared to a shield. Now I have something pretty pretty awesome here. I hope you guys are ready for it. it is a shield that says faith on it. You know, it's from a Christian magazine somewhere. And so oftentimes faith is referred to as a shield. And and, and throughout scripture, it talks about that what is a shield used for, but, but extinguishing the flaming arrows of the enemy. And so when accusations come to us or life comes to us, we are to, in a sense, use our faith, use our shield as a response to issues, struggles, and trials. And, and I was chatting with our, my good friend, John Hansowitz, and he sent me something that he was working on in a message regard, and it was just super good. And so I'm just going to literally read word for word what he wrote in regards to faith being like a shield. Um, it's going to be up on the screens. You can't think about Captain America without thinking about a shield. In the comics and the movies, Captain's shield is made out of indestructible metal. And Cap knows with 100% certainty that if he could put his shield between himself and whatever is threatening him, everything will be okay. Now imagine that you had a shield like that and someone was coming after you. Which would be the smarter choice? putting the shield between you and your attacker or putting up your hand instead let's just think about that for a minute so I got my shield Uh, this is not going to protect me in any form of battle if anything they would be like ha ha boom then you'll see it in the newspaper he died you know but so you know there's there's an enemy coming my way and I have my shield and I kind of just put it behind me and just go like this you'd be like that kid is not a fighter (laughs) he plays music you know because I would die But hear me, this is, what he sa- this is what John says next, and I, I think it's, it's amazing. So often in life, we choose to put our own hands into situations that require faith instead. Let me just read that one more time. Let's just let that sink in, because it hit me when I first read it. So often in life, we choose to put our own hands into situations that require faith instead. I feel like there's just something in us. We're like, hey, I'm older, I'm an adult. And if you're not an adult here tonight, like, you're going to be one one day, so it's okay. This is for you too. But so often we feel like, I need to get this done. I need to kind of put my hands in the mix. I got to change situations. I got to make this happen. But often, maybe God is just calling you just to sit back. And sometimes that's harder. Sometimes it requires more faith to do nothing than to do something about it. See, But the thing is, so many times we put our hands in situations and make it worse. And so my question is, have we been doing that? You know, maybe there's some things right now that are coming to your heart and your mind. You're saying, you know what, Andrea, you're right. I, I might be a little too involved and trying to make things happen that all, really I have no business trying to make happen. question is also, do we live like we're protected by the power of God? Is that something that runs through? And this is for me, too. This morning, you know, pastor spoke about discouragement, and guess what happened? After the message... Got discouraged for the most of the day of struggling with that. And so a lot of times, like, we're going to struggle with things. And here's the point is that it's okay to struggle. It's it's okay to to waver in your faith because God's with you. But that's the time where we need to be able to cling to him all the more. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He's not expecting us to have full faith that when you get that bad news, he's not expecting you to jump up and down and be like, we're going to be great. Because we're human. He gets it. But all the more, when we go through those times, that's when we need to dial in to his grace. We're going to continue in verse 6. So remember, Peter's talking to these people, and he's saying this. In this, in the struggle that you're in, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when Peter was writing this, he said, he was talking about your faith being refined, which is gold, through, though it's tested by fire. He was using that word purposefully because, remember, the fire that Nero started caused this persecution. And so these people are thinking about their friends who've been martyred. They're thinking about the fear that they feel. And he's telling them to rejoice. I don't know how many friends have come up to you when you're going through a trial and be like, hey, rejoice. This is good for you. I just kind of want to hit them in the face. I'm, I'm, I'm being real with you. I don't. I don't believe in violence. But I'm saying there's part of me that's like, no, you don't get it, you know. But, like, this is just not natural for us to respond with, with, to rejoice. But see, the thing is that Peter doesn't have himself in mind here. He has, he's keeping his eyes on Christ. He's keeping his hope on something that is greater. Because here's the thing. We, we can get all the gold we want, but that's going to perish and, and it's going to disappear. But the faith that God builds in you and in me, the trials that I go through and the things that I, I grow from, right, that's going to last forever. That's going to last in this life, but also in the life to come. And Peter is reminding us of those things. But you and I, we kind of can lose our peace easily. When when life comes, we start to to feel our faith waver. When the situation's change, maybe things are good and it's easy to believe when it's good. But when when things shift, when things get hard, it's like, God, where are you? We begin to waver. Maybe it's because we took our eyes off of Jesus. There's, there's like a mantra in our culture. Um, maybe this will sound familiar. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. What doesn't kill you makes you a fighter. Footsteps even lighter. No? <laughs> Kelly Clarkson, anyone? But see, there's something in our culture that they get it. Like, hey. Like like trials, like makes you stronger. But here's the thing. If we take that a step further, see, it's ingrained in us to know like, all right, hard times make us stronger, right? But how much more when we are putting our hope in Christ, see, because here's the truth tonight, that with Christ, our struggle leads to strength. That with Christ, our struggle leads to strength. And maybe what that person said to you, That hurt that you felt. Maybe that situation that just went so bad. You know, we're just coming off the Brokenhearted series and it's been so cool to hear how you guys have been responding to that. I've I've been hearing stories of people contacting people and, and getting restoration. You know, but for those of us who are still kind of struggling with things that have happened to us in the past or whatever we're dealing with, hear me. Those things are raw fuel for God to strengthen you if you would just let him. Because with Christ, our struggle leads to strength. Let's skip down to verse 13. So this kind of gives us some ideas of what to do here. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tonight, maybe you need to just hear that our, your struggles have ending, has an ending. That the the pain that you are going through right now, maybe it's it's just not forever. And see, when we're in the middle of a fire, it could feel like, man, this is taking forever. This is not gonna end. But tonight, there is an ending to your struggle. And whether it's here and now, on this earth, or whether it's later, we can have a hope in Christ that empowers us here today to get through these things. And so we need to prepare ourselves. It says to keep us sober in spirit. And John Gill is a Bible commentator and he says simply what that means is to be disengaged from the anxious cares of the world. And that means that the system that you and I were born into, our natural inclinations, the sin that comes in, the self-centered thoughts that come from through the way and the current of our world. The current of our world is going in a dangerous direction that sometimes you and I, we're going to fall back into that. We're going to feel our old ways kind of come rising back up. And here, if we want to be sober in spirit, that's just basically fix your hope on Christ and allow that new way of life to take control. And see, that is a daily decision. That is a moment-by-moment decision. I woke up, I was stoked for today, but then something happened to me. And it's almost like that goes out the window. So maybe you're sitting here saying, oh great, yeah, this is is a nice review. But every single moment we need to make that decision because our old ways are going to want to creep back in. And we don't have to be a slave to those ways. Because we are born into a new family and that is of Christ. When we accept that gift. And we've accepted that gift. But are we walking in it? Am I walking in it, to be fair? Here's in verse 14 as we wrap up our verses here. It says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And here's where we see the Bible kind of tell us to be like children in the sense of being obedient. Now, I don't know about you, but most kids are wild, as we discovered earlier, as when you throw candy at them, they kill each other. So, but if you were at the store and you saw an obedient child, you know, the mom goes, Leon, would you mind grabbing me something? Yes, mom. And they do it and they come back and their, their hairs is combed over. You look at that and you're like, wow. Because that's like a rare sight. For those of you who play Pokemon Go, that's like finding a Charizard. Like it doesn't happen. Maybe it does. I don't know. We'll talk after. An obedient child is a strange thing to see because children are known to be wild. But, but basically what the scriptures are reminding us to be like is a, oh, that, that child that is leaning on its father. And so when we read that, it says, as obedient children, don't be conformed to your old ways. But lean on your heavenly father. Trust on his goodness. And so that's where we see that we are to be childlike, not childish. Saying your lusts, the old life that wants to creep in. That we don't have to be a slave to that, but we could be set free. And see, what I want us to get here tonight, because the whole tension that we walk in is is, is children think about themselves. They get lost in their pursuits, they get lost in in, and how they feel. And as adults, like we need, and especially as Christians, we can't let our emotions just dictate how we live. And so there's times where you're angry, where you realize, you know what, I need to push this anger aside and I mean deal with it, of course but I need to not let it control me, you know, as we have that idea. So sometimes when we feel this this tension for us to kind of go back in our old ways, make our faith about ourselves, we need to remember that God's power protects and fuels our faith. God's power protects and fuels our faith. That I go to God, ask him for strength, protection, and that's where my faith will be empowered. That's where, when I go through struggles in this life, that I can realize, no, that God is working something new in me. That like maybe God is up to something, and could it be in your life, in your mind, in your life and in mine, that God is working? He's trying to refine your faith, my faith, because that ultimately is what exists after everything goes away. That's the only thing we could take with us. These shoes, this watch, everything I got on the stage, it's not coming with me when I die. But my faith is. Your lives, your bank account, your schooling, your degree, all of your accomplishments, they're great. But it's not coming with you. So that's why tonight it's crucial for us to realize that God's power protects and fuels our faith tonight as we wrap up tonight's not like an aha message it's not like you're like wow we learned something great from scripture we learned this new deep theological thing but i think the thing is that it's more of a reminder it's more of a just kind of a refocus sometimes you know life's crazy living on long island it's just nonstop. so sometimes we gotta pause and say hey what's what's the real root of my faith Where am I really putting my hope in? Is it in myself? Is it in my possessions? Is it in my status? Or is it really in the God who loves me, died for me, paid a bloody price for me so that I could be free? And so some questions tonight as we kind of wrap up. How have we been childish in our faith? If you take notes, maybe write these questions down and kind of deal with them later. Another question is, instead of using a shield, what situations in our lives have we been trying to use our hands, trying to make things happen? Maybe, maybe that's faith's job. And let's take these questions, let's bring, bring them before the Lord, and let's allow him to change us. And say, so hear me, that as adults, we're to be more proactive. Of course. You know, we're, we're to, to put our faith into action. Yeah, Absolutely. But God doesn't require us to be perfect. He knows that we can't. See, when we try to be perfect, we're gonna realize that we're bumping up against the wall of religion and not relationship. And see, the beautiful thing about Christ is that when we come to him, he empowers us to live differently. But we need to start with him and not ourselves. And so Christians, if you wouldn't mind just taking a time, maybe just before the Lord right now, however you feel comfortable, if you wanna bow your head or whatever, um, just sit there, whatever, think about right now um, how God can renew your faith. How have you been childish? How have you been maybe self-centered and maybe just kind of take that focus and bring it back to him and where it belongs? Because the truth is, is that how we respond to things shows us where our faith is. Maybe tonight you're going through something hard and I don't mind when to encourage you that God's there for you. God's going to walk you through that, that there's grace for every situation represented in this room. If Peter could talk to a people that were being martyred, I'm sure we can find the same grace from the same God that helped them. And so Christians, just take some time to remind yourself that the origin of our faith comes from God's power who protects us. And if you're not a Christian, if you're new to church and you're just trying to figure it out, man, Christianity is so different from every other religion because Every other religion tells us that you need to do these things. You know, you need to be this person. You need to have the the combed over look. You need to be, you know, good and you need to earn your love before that God. But see, our God saw that we were messy, saw that we were a mess and came, died in our place, that the seat that you sit in literally, but also spiritually, God paid for with his blood so that your hope could be in a savior that came for you while we were a mess And in that transaction, we can experience grace. We can experience a new life that we are born again into a living hope. Christ is our living hope today. When the bank account dies, when the relationship is not what you thought it would be at this point, when sickness comes, when when hurt comes your way, Christ is there to empower you, to protect you fuel you so tonight wherever you find yourself in this in this journey of faith and it's a journey we're gonna we're working through this together that's why we gather that's why we come together is just to work together on our faith but tonight just remember that God's power protects and fuels our faith would you guys just pray with me tonight Holy God, we come before you tonight, Jesus. We thank you that you saw us in our depravity. You saw us in our sin. You see us in in the trials that we're facing tonight. You don't want us to be alone in them, God. You don't want us to look to ourselves, but you want us to look to you. And we thank you, God, that whatever trial that we find ourselves in, situation that's hard, God, we can come to you for strength. We can come to you for refreshing. God, that you would empower us to live differently. To be moving and living and breathing, God, in the new nature that you've given us. Tonight, God, I just pray for those who are tired, who are struggling, God, that they would look to you tonight, that they would find grace find peace. God, we thank you that you give it so abundantly. We thank you, God, that as we fix our eyes onto you, God, you carry us through the darkest of nights. That we could be brought into a new family. We don't have to be defined by our past mistakes and our past ways because Christ saw us in our mess and died for us. Taking those things away. So what those those people said about us, what we've done in the past, how we handle that situation or the struggles that we face today don't need to define us. But we can be set free in your great love for us. So tonight, God, we just pray that we can experience your mercy and your grace in a new and powerful way. And we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus tonight. Amen.